Would you turn with me in your Bible now to Genesis 1 and 2? We have been, for a number of weeks now, looking at not creation only, but bigger than than that, the God of creation. And it's been such a rich study for me, because when I've in the past taught through Genesis, I've focused on the work of God in creation as opposed to the person of God. And it's been transforming for me to recognize that when God is introducing himself in Genesis 1 and 2, we are learning about him in ways that we wouldn't know had he not done what he did. This Genesis really is an introduction to God. So as fabulous and as marvelous as creation is, we don't want to get stuck in creation. We want to focus on the God of creation. And so from before the beginning, here's what creation has revealed. That God is, and he is, say it with me, glorious. I I want you to have that in your head this morning. That God is, and he is glorious. Now we're going to run through, even though we've done a section at a time of one through two, chapters one and two so far, we're going to go back and we're going to look at both chapters in a big chunk for this reason. So far we have said the God who creates, after creating the heavens and the earth, then what did he do? He formed, he formed the mountains and the seas, the day and the night. And then after forming, he filled. He filled the sky with birds and with the sun, the moon and the stars. He filled the sea with fish. He filled the land with animals, and then ultimately humans. So the God who creates, forms, and fills. But the key this morning is not those three words. It's this word, also. Because we're going to do something unique to get started this morning. I'm going to ask, first of all, if you don't normally take notes, would you do me a favor and take notes for about the next seven minutes, okay? And then you can put it back down. But here's the reason. I'm going to run us through chapter one and chapter two, and we're going to see 26 more, in addition to these three, 26 more actions of God in Genesis one and two. And I can't get all 29 actions on the screen, and I'm going to want to reference them. So I'd like for you to have them written down in front of you. All right. So I know some of you are going to go, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, God bless you. You don't need to. But uh, if... If you would, maybe for just this time, write down 26 more words with me, okay? Let me run through them real quick. Chapter 1, verse 2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving. So God not only creates, forms, and fills, God moves. You can write that down beside 1, 2. This is how we'll run through it quickly. Then verse 3. Then God said, so God speaks. Verse 4, God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. So God saw. Verse 4 again, and he separated, God sees, sorry. God separated the light from the darkness, so God separates. So he moves, he speaks, he sees, he separates. Keeping up. I'm going too fast. Okay. 
Verse 5, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So God calls. Verse 7, God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. So God makes. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So God gathers. Verse 17, God placed them. Speaking of the sun, moon, and the stars, he placed them. So God places And you might want to add objects because we'll see him place something else later. He places objects. And then the finish off this first column, verse 22, God bless them. Speaking of what he speaks, he specifically blesses here. God bless them saying, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So God blesses. And we see that word many times throughout these two chapters. So these are all unique actions of God. Quick review, verse of column one. He moves, he speaks, he sees, he separates, he calls, he makes, he gathers, he places, and he blesses. All right, you got them all? Column two, verse 29. Then God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth. So God gives in verse 29. In verse two of chapter two, by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. So God completes Also in verse two, and he rested on the seventh day. So God rest. Also in verse two, and God completed his work. God works. So all in verse two, we see God completing, God resting, God working. Then in verse three, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. God sanctifies. Then in verse five, Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprouted for the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth. Uh, That had been true to that point. He obviously sends rain later. So God sends and you could put in parentheses and he doesn't send. God sends and he doesn't send. Verse six of chapter two. But a mist used to rise from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. God waters. Verse 7, chapter 2, the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So, verse 7, he breathed life into. Verse 8, then the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. God plants. All right, quick review of column 2. From verse 29 to chapter 2, verse 8, God gives, God completes, God rests, God works, God sanctifies, God sends, God waters, God breathes life into, and God plants. Third column, verse 8, and he placed the man whom he had formed. God places people. In verse 17 of chapter 1, he placed objects. In chapter 2, verse 8, he places people. Verse 9, Out of the ground, the Lord God calls to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. God causes growth. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. So God takes. Verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. So God commands. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. So earlier, he had caused growth. Here in verse 21, he causes sleep. Also in verse 
21, and he closed up the flesh at that place. God closes. And in verse 22, the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. God fashions. And finally, and brought her to the man God brings. So, Column three, places people, causes growth, takes commands, causes sleep, clothes, fashions, and brings. All right. Got a hand cramp? All right. You can, uh, that, that was a little weird. We don't normally just run through it like that. But I wanted us to do so because sometimes when you study specific sections, you can miss the big picture. And what I just showed you this morning, hopefully, in that quick run-through, is that God was incredibly active in chapter 1 and 2. So what do we do with that? Well, I want to make four observations that I think will be very instructive to us in 2020 from Genesis 1 and 2. First, God reveals himself to be present and involved. Present, you might want to add a second word there, active, present, active, and involved. Now, why is that important? Well, because many over the centuries have adopted, based on their study of the scripture, an understanding that would say, well, the world demands there has to be a creator, so I do believe there is a God, I just don't think he is involved. It's like he started the clock and then left the room. Now, again, some of the founders of our country were deists who believe God is, but he is not involved. And to that, I would say, Wow, have you read Genesis 1 and 2? Because it could, could it be more clear that God was not just starting something and then removing himself. He is active and present and involved. And therefore, that tells me something more than just about God. Do you believe you're created in the image of God? Yes or no? Okay, if you believe you are created in the image of God, and by quick review, that means that we are created in his likeness, not identical, but we are like him in order to, do you remember? Represent him. Like him to represent him. And if the God of creation reveals himself to be present, active, and involved, then we who are created in his image ought to be present, active and involved in the world in which he has placed us and planted us. Now, why do I bring that up? Because historically, what happens among many believers is this idea that godliness is defined by removing themselves from the world, staying away from what God has done, and saying that isolation is godliness. And Genesis 1 and 2 declares the exact opposite, that being godly, being like God, is to say, God, you have made me and placed me on this planet. I will be active and present and involved, not removed. 
You see, centuries ago, people determined that the greatest way to be godly was to go lock themselves away from the world. That's not godliness. That's why when Jesus showed up on the planet, those who were quote-unquote godly were so hard on him and they hated him because he exposed their isolation that was not godly. In fact, they accused him and said, he's not like God, he's a friend of sinners. Christian Family Chapel, may we really be reflective, representative of the God of creation of Genesis 1 and 2, a people of God who are not isolated from this world, but who are present and active and involved. Godliness is not gathering in our holy huddle. Godliness is not staying separate. Godliness is being what Jesus did because Jesus represented the God of creation in Genesis 1 and 2. Do you follow? The God of creation revealed himself as present, active, involved. Jesus shows up, God wrapped in human flesh. And they said, whoa, he's too involved to be godly. No, that is what God is like. And so, friends... Be in the world. Don't be of the world. This is what he said. Be in the world. A couple years ago, we did a series we called Neighbortude. It was having the attitude of Jesus toward our literal neighbors. Because did God plant in the garden? Yes or no? Did he plant in the garden? Did he place them in the garden? Yeah. Has God placed you where you live? Four of you, how about the rest of you? Has God placed you where you live? Has he? Yes, I believe he has placed you there. Why? In order that placing you there, you might represent him. So do you know your neighbors? Let me ask you again. I hope you do. Uh, one of the most, it's kind of been funny that um, a guy coming out of that series, about every three months, he says, I was so convinced that I had not been like Jesus that as part of that series, he went out and he literally went door to door and met all his neighbors. And he kept a little journal of where they were from. And in that process, he was like, I have almost half the countries of Africa represented around me. And he started inviting them to CFC. He didn't even know they were there. Started inviting them. And about every three months, he goes, all right, this person's going back to this country. Now we have another country represented. And he knows where they're from, what their names are, and how they are responding to spiritual conversation. That's godly. Why? Because God is present, active, and involved. And too often, and so can I confess a little bit to you here for a moment? Sometimes we make it harder because we always have a jillion things going on. You can do this at the chapel, do this at the chapel, do this at the chapel, do this at the chapel. And thou shalt do everything offered. Now, the Bible does not say that. And nor am I saying that. What I'm saying to you is this. Don't do all that stuff to the neglect of being active and present and involved where God has placed you. You should know the people that you work with. 
You should know the people that you live beside. They should have opportunity to know you. It is no accident. When I am isolated from the world that God has created and placed me in, I am not repping God. I am protecting myself. So friends, if you need to do less church stuff so you can do more Jesus stuff, please do that. That sounds a weird statement, doesn't it? Less church stuff so I can do more Jesus stuff? Uh Uh-huh. It's not because we're doing wrong stuff. It's just everybody's got their little thing and everybody can't do everything. But all of us ought to be reflective of the God of creation. What are the three words? Present, active, and involved. Is that who you are? If not, let's repent. Seriously, let's repent and go, Lord, I'm not repping you. I want to be present, active, and involved. That is what God has called us to. So, second conclusion. God is continuing to do what he did in the beginning. Here's why I wanted you to write all this stuff down. All right. I want you to, as I read through them, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle the things that God did in the beginning, but he is not continuing to do. All right? Create, form, fill, move, speak, see, separate, call, make, gather, place, object, bless, give, complete, rest, work, sanctify, send, water, breeze life into plants. Places, causes growth, takes commands, causes sleep, closes, fashions, and brings. What did you notice? He still does everything he did in the beginning. Again, maybe you're going, duh, what are you, an idiot? Well, maybe I was. But I'm telling you, as I read through the first two chapters of Genesis, I was so struck, I I literally, it started a process of going, I'm going to circle every verb, and I realized these are the very things that the New Testament talks about God doing. It's almost like he doesn't change. Ah, there's a light bulb for you. The God of creation who was active, present, involved in doing 29 different actions still is doing them all now. It's our God still moves and makes. He still forms and fills. He still speaks and sees. He still gives and takes. He still gathers and separates. He still places and plants. He still calls and completes. He still sanctifies and stands. And he still causes and commands. Yes? Yeah, so he is what he always has been. So Genesis 1 and 2 becomes more than history for me. It becomes an introduction to an active God who has not stopped or ceased or changed. It's an active God who is continuing to do what he has always done, except how he does it. Because how he did it in Genesis 1 and 2 is dramatically different than how he does it in 2020. What's the difference? Who'd he do it through in Genesis 1 and 2? Himself. Who does he send and speak and call and give and take? And plan in place now. Us. Unbelievable, folks. 
the God of creation is, are you listening? The God of creation who did that which we went. He is and he is glorious, is still doing all the same things except we get to be a part. Is that a privilege? Unbelievable privilege. As children of God, we are privileged to be now co-laborers with God in what he has always been doing. So, give you a quick example. A guy who hated God, hated Jesus, and hated followers of Jesus. Who didn't want to kill himself, he wanted to kill followers of Jesus and was actively involved in killing and resisting any follower of Jesus he could. And then God stepped into his life, stopped him in his tracks, opened his eyes, and changed his heart. And a guy named Saul, the persecutor of the church, becomes Paul, the apostle Paul. And instead of killing Christians, he becomes one sent by God. And one of the places he goes is a place called Corinth, a city more vile and immoral than Vegas of 2020. A place where we would tend to go, eh, nah, don't invite them to Alpha. They'd never come. But Paul goes and he declares the gospel and people hear and believe and are born again. And their lives are transformed just like Z's life was transformed. And they start to grow in Christ as Paul teaches them. And then another guy named Apollos comes and he starts sharing in the work. And, in, and this is what always happens. When God uses people, then we take the people that he uses and we go, aren't they great? They're like superstars. And what happens in Corinth is people start rallying around. I'm of Paul. And other people are going, Paul, yeah, B minus, Apollos, A plus. And others are like, Paul, Apollos, what about Peter? He's the man. And others are like, no, it's all Jesus. <laughs> and they're divided. So Paul writes a letter. And he says, what then is Apollos? What's Paul? You know what his word is? Don't miss this. Servants. The servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted Apollos water, but God was the one causing the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor, labor for we are, say it with me, God's fellow workers. You believe that? Yeah, yeah that is the unbelievable, quite frankly, privilege to say, to say the God of creation is as glorious as he always was. He's still doing what he always did. But now you and I get to be a part. And like a real part. It's not like when my three-year-old wanted to help and was like, Daddy, let me shovel. And I was like, ah, oh, you're going to get in the way, but you give him a shovel and like he puts more dirt back in the hole and you're like, oh, way to go, son. You're doing awesome. It's that way God looks at you and he's going, well, they're kind of getting in the way, but it makes them feel better. <laughs> no, listen. God is active, present, and involved, and he is genuinely working through people. 
It's, it's not just some, oh, it's kind of nice, way to go, little boy, way, way to go, little girl. No, you're, he's really doing what he did now through people. Don't get a big head. Paul's right on. Servants, fellow workers. So how'd that start? Well, it started when Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me. Now, don't read any more. Do you believe in Jesus? I'm not going to go one by one. But you've got to answer if you believe in Jesus. Because if you believe in Jesus, now you're in this verse. And if you don't, you're not in it. But if you, if you so in your heart right now, you go, I do believe in Jesus. I'm not sure I believe in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you're in this verse. So he says, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, that Jesus did, he, the one who believes in me, will do also. And greater works than these he will do. You believe that? Oh, wow. You're much more believing than second hour is like, hmm. Now, they weren't going, nah, he's a liar. We don't think he's lying. We just don't really think it's true. I mean, because you go, Jesus, me. And there's truth to that. Jesus and me. Right? Yeah. But Jesus says, there's what I did and what I do. No. There's what he did and what... Those who believe in him will do? Right? Wrong? And what those who believe in him will do? Ho, ho, I don't know about that. That's going too far. How is it that you would really believe that if you believe in Jesus, the God of creation who's doing what he always... See, are you, built, you see the case I'm building? The God of creation is and he is glorious and he is glorious revealed in what he's done but he's that wasn't just the old oh, that's what he used to do he's still doing it but he's now doing it through us when jesus was asked about the explanation for his life he goes it's really simple i'm in the father and the father's in me and the Father abiding in me and I in him, he does his works. We're one. And so it's the Father's works and he's doing them through me. But something's going to happen. I'm going to go to the Father. And I know you're troubled about that, but don't be troubled. It's going to be to your advantage because if I go to the Father, then I will send the helper, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune God, and he will not just be with you. He will be, oh, come on now. He will not just be with you. He will be in you, in you. And by God placing himself in in you, you will do what I did when I was one with the Father wrapped in human flesh. Do you believe that? Yeah, you know, I, I genuinely spent most of my life going, eh, I think he's just trying to make me feel better. I think he meant it. And I think he means greater 
Not because, well, you know, Jesus raised one guy from the dead at a time, but I mean, you're going to raise two at a time. No. What's going to be greater? The greater is going to be this. When you trust in Jesus, then he's going to pour his spirit into your heart. And then when you trust in Jesus, he's going to put his spirit in your heart. And when you trust in Jesus, he's going to put his spirit in your heart. And when you trust in Jesus, he's going to put his spirit in your heart. And it goes on and on and on. And with the spirit of God dwelling in you and you abiding in him as he abides in you, you're going to bear much fruit and 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 you're going to bear much fruit. And when each of you bear much fruit, what you will do is greater than what Jesus did. That's the beauty of the body of Christ engaged as fellow workers with God. It's, it's every person who has believed and been born again, who has the spirit of God dwelling in them, being used by God because they're one with him as Jesus was one with the Father. The spirit of God lives in them so that God will do his works through them. He's doing what he has always done. He just did it by himself in Genesis 1 and 2, and now he does it with co-laborers. Not, not just symbolic, uh, you're kind of getting in the way, but it looks better. Genuinely doing it through us. And so when we get what God is really doing here, that Jesus really meant that Christian family chapel, if you would believe me, I would do greater things through this church than I did when I was on this planet. Yeah. That, that ought to be challenging the socks right off of you right now. Asking yourself if you're not really wrestling with, do I believe that? that? That God would say, if you will believe in my son, when he goes to the Father, when he comes and sits at the right hand, I'm going to send the Spirit and the Spirit of God, myself in you, will do together greater than what the Son of God did wrapped in human flesh. That is the God of creation, folks. It's not that he once was and once was glorious. It was the glory days back in Genesis. You know, man, those were the good old days. It is God still present, still active, still involved, still working, still speaking, still sending, still placing, still blessing, still giving through us. You believe in him? Man, that is the invitation to believe in Jesus and to be used by him. When we get a hold of that, there is no place for passivity then. You know what I mean by passive? I mean this. You see what needs to be done, but you don't do anything. Very simple. It's like parking your car this morning, walking in, seeing that somebody left their Coke can or their Coke bottle laying in the shrubs and thinking, hmm, somebody ought to pick that up. <laughs> ever do that? You ever walk in and go, man, somebody ought to do something about that. 
You ever done that? Yes. You know, I, well, I'm pretty sure because every week we put in your, bu- in your hand a bulletin that, that often will say, hey, we need this in children, or we need this in youth, or we need this with AV, or we need this in missions. And you, you look at it and you go, hmm, hope somebody does something about that. Now, am I saying that every person here should be doing everything? I already addressed that. No. I am saying that if you are a child of God, created in the image of God, then you are to represent God by being present, active, and involved. To be a co-laborer with him so that the God who is still doing what he always did would be working through you. So that you you, when you would see a need, you go, I have opportunity because other people have helped with other needs. I can do something here. This is why the God who commanded in the garden commands us as each one has received a special gift. Employ it. Give it a job. Put it to work. You don't need to make money on it. You need to give it a job. Your gift. In other words, when God made you, he made you uniquely. You have gifts and you have capacity to be used of the Lord in ways that I don't. And so do you in ways that I don't. And I have ways that you don't. We don't lay them side by side and say, who's greater? We're all, what did Paul say? We're all servants. And we get to do what God has given us to do. But what we don't get to do is go, oh, I guess, hope somebody does something about that. What we don't get to do is be removed and isolated and uninvolved. That would would be against who we are, who God has made us in Christ. So let me take you through, I hope will be a, a fun little exercise. I want you to ask yourself this question. If God could use you In any type of person's life, who would you want to be used by God in their life? Would you want it to be with babies or with children or with special needs people or with youth or with college or with adults or with elderly? Because is God moving on this planet among every age group now like he was then in Genesis 1? Yeah, he was and he is. And so, if you could be used in any way, which of these? Then you may think, oh, all of them. No, you don't have enough minutes for that. So, what's in your heart? Is it babies? See, some of you are like, man, I love babies. I think, eh, mm. even my own grandkids, when they're their babies, I, 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 you might think badly about this, but this is truth. Do you want to hold, do you want to hold the grandbaby? Hmm, if it'll help. <laughs> but I'm not like, oh yeah, this is so sweet. Don't you love this? Hmm, not that much. When you get older and we can do stuff, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but right now they're like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> now some of you go, that's so mean. I, after, just after a second, now this lady said, I said, oh, you're a cute little girl. I know you don't like babies. <laughs> I don't dislike them. It's just my heart doesn't go, God, use me in babies. But some of you, some of you, honestly, God has put in your heart to tend in a nursery like he put in Adam's to tend in a garden. And that's, and that's awesome. Our children, our special needs, 
talked about the night to shine that happened a couple weeks ago. If you are not familiar, you're kind of unsure, just Google Night to Shine 2020 and look for a four-minute video that they did a recap of what happened around the world, and your heart will sing as a God who is and who is glorious gets revealed among special needs children or youth God got a hold of my life as a teenager. But by a guy, ironically, who at that time I thought the dude was ancient. Looking back, he was younger than I am now. That stinks. Because I don't feel that old, but I constantly remind myself that teenagers think he's old, and I'm like, hmm. But it was a guy who I thought was ancient, but the Lord who speaks spoke to my heart through that man and opened my heart to understand that the Jesus who walked the pages of the New Testament was alive and living in me and the person of the Holy Spirit wanting to live his life through me changed my life. And there was placed in my heart a desire, God, if you could ever use me, would you allow me to be used by you in the lives of other church teenagers who have just kind of gone through the motions and have lost any sense of love for God and desire for him, just going to church? And that's why I became a youth pastor here in 1989. Some of you are like, I can't stand teenagers. Well, then stay away. That'd be good, all right? (laughs) Honestly. You feel about teenagers like, "Uh, can I help? Uh, Maybe. But some of you, God changed your life as a teenager. And the greatest joy would you, for you to be, go, Lord, it's up to you, but if I could be, if I could get in the ditch with you and, and shovel, be a co-worker, a follower, that'd be my privilege. We got 20 of those folks on our senior high retreat this weekend. Every time I think about that retreat this weekend, Lord, would you work in those teenagers like you worked in my life? Would this be a transformational weekend for them? Because God does that. Does it. He did it and he does it. This is the God of creation who is doing what he has always done. And he has invited you and I into the privilege. So ask yourself, where? And then ask yourself, see, the, the question is, who? Then ask yourself, and I mean this, domestically or cross-culturally? Because the God of creation is deserving to be glorious among every tongue and tribe and people and nation. And so every single one of us should always have a heart before the Lord go, Lord, you sent in the garden. Do you want to send me now in 2020? This is the, this is the who. This is the where. And then you have the what. 
How has God gifted you? How has God wired you? So that whether it's with children or youth or with elderly, over overseas or here, you want to help or you want to lead or you want to teach or you want to organize or you want to host or you want to sing, you want to play, you want to create, you want to counsel. And there's lots more. It's just I can't put up all the options up here. In fact, after first hour, literally, a woman came up to me and said, hey, I go to the elder home and I dance. You need to put dance on the screen. And I said, sweet, sweet lady I've known for a long time, I said, I know this is kind of against the rules, but can I ask you, how old are you? And she said, I'm 86. And I said, all right, I just want to know that it was an 80, I just wanted to tell you, it was an 86-year-old woman who said, I want dance to be up here in terms of, and then about three minutes later, she tracked me back down and she said, and put hugger there too, because I love to hug people. (laughs) Now, don't miss this. The opportunities are absolutely endless. Because each of you are created an image of God, and if you've believed in Jesus, you're a child of God, but you are a unique person through whom God wants to do something somewhere to someone. Passive, can't. It goes against who we are. But Friday was a reminder to me. It, the opportunities are endless. Valentine's Day. A new idea this year. About 14 folks gathered over at the table. Somebody brought a whole bunch of flowers and somebody who's good at making arrangements taught them and they, they made arrangements for 23 different arrangements and then deliverers. A, a guy, a school teacher, took the day off so that they could deliver bouquets of flowers to... 23 different widows at Christian Family Chapel. Knock on their door and go, you're loved, we haven't forgotten about you. That's awesome. It it, it was so beautiful a reminder to me that that God planting a garden and, and then giving Adam and Eve the privilege to be a part of tending it. And just that picture in my mind of someone saying, I have these flowers and, and I can't create like God can create, but, but I can make a better bouquet than Doug can. And so you put these things in here. And then somebody said, I'll go deliver them and be the person that God sends just like he sent in the garden. And how many ladies went, I haven't gotten letters, I have not gotten flowers since my husband died. And a guy said, well, what about the widowers? What about the men? You know what the answer to that is? Whatever you want to do, go for it. Seriously. The elders didn't say, we need to do flowers on Valentine's Day. Put it in somebody's heart of elderly who live in our neighborhood who we could create something to bless them with. See the beauty? We'd miss it if we just was done a little section. Two chapters tell us our God is doing what he's always done, except now he's doing it through you. And the only thing getting in the way 
of you being a fellow worker with God is when you and I do the things that we are tempted to do, and that is number one, isolate and distance or become so wrapped up in our own lives and our own family and our own agenda and our own priorities that we don't have any time for anyone else, wherever they live, to do something for. So it's not that complicated. Who, where, and what? And let the God of creation himself who dwells within you if you're born again. Use you to bless people, to do his work. Doesn't have to be a program, doesn't have to be 45 other people who are going to do it. Just join with God. Pick a ditch and jump in the ditch with him. Because watch. He said in verse 10, this is verse 11, verse 10, he said what? As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God so that whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Why? Because that's what's happening. The spirit of God in them is speaking through them. They're just an instrument. And... Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. See, we don't, go, we don't stop and go, I wouldn't have anything to say. No, the Spirit of God in me will give me the words to say. I won't have enough strength. But the Spirit of God in me will strengthen me for what he's called me to do. Amen. For this purpose, straight from Genesis 1 and 2. So that in all things, God may be glorified. You know what? What did we say? What does creation reveal about the creator? He is and he is glorious. And now in 2020, you indwelt by the Holy Spirit, using the gifts that God has given you in a certain place to a certain people so that when God speaks through you and God serves through you and God works through you and God moves through you and God sees and meets needs through you, what happens? Then in this day, like in that day, people on our street and people around the world declare again, he is and he is glorious. It's always the same. This is what I love. It hasn't changed. So often we look back and we read Genesis and we go, wow, man, that was amazing. There is nothing that happened in Genesis 1 and 2 that God, the amazing, glorious God, doesn't want to do in 2020, except this time he wants to do it through us. Wherever he places you, wherever he plants you, whatever he gives you, or whatever he takes away from you. Unbelievable. What a privilege to share as co-laborers with God. Now you may go, man, I'm not sure where to start. Well, then go to a website. That's what you do these days. You don't know where to start, you go to a website. See if this and cfcjacks.com backslash serve. You know what you're going to find? 
you're going to find babies, children, youth, adults, and elderly. And you're going to find locally or globally. And then you're going to find help or counsel, teach or organize. You see what I'm saying? You're going to find answers. You're going to find opportunities to who, where, and what. What you can't do is be passive because there's no place for passivity among men and women who created in the image of God and children of God of the one who is active, present, and involved. So we're not passive because he's not. God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we're going to, this might seem weird, but we're going to close Genesis 1 and 2, the God of creation, looking at the work of Christ on our behalf. Because there is no greater glory than the glory of the cross. The glory of Jesus who was obedient even to the point of death. So as guys come, here's what I want you to think. You might not like this, but God saw a person like me and saw in the image of God, but someone who had trashed his life. And he saw my need and he met my need through the Lord Jesus. That's what these elements are a reminder of. So as they're passed, you may be waiting for a while Don't go into neutral. Don't think about other stuff. Think about God loves you and he had demonstrated it in Jesus. These are the reminders. Uh, There'll be a, a broken piece of unleavened cracker here. It's a reminder of the body of Christ. This isn't the body of Christ. It's the reminder of the body of Christ this, the reminder that Jesus shed his blood so that we who deserve the wrath of God would instead be forgiven because he would take the wrath upon himself. So would you bow with me? You'll know when the elements get there. Don't be distracted. Bow with me and tell the Lord, thank you for not being passive. Thank you that he, thank him for seeing your need and meeting your need. Thank the Lord Jesus for his obedience to death. Thank him for your forgiveness, for taking the wrath you deserve. your punishment and my punishment he took on the cross he was your substitute take a moment to just remember all that he endured for you Paul goes on to say 
you've not only been reconciled by his death, much more you've been saved by his life. Would you thank him that he has poured his spirit, the living God has poured his spirit into your hearts. Would you tell him, Lord, I believe in your death and your resurrection. I believe you live in me. Tell him thank you that you have everything you need for life and for godliness. Tell him you believe you have everything you need to do everything he says. Not guilt, enablement. And then Paul goes on to say to us this. Therefore, because you are alive to God and dead to sin, do not continue to present your body as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and present your body to him as an instrument of of righteousness. That's what I want you to do right now. If you would, would you say, God, here I am. Send me, place me, plant me, use me in any way you choose. I want to be your instrument. I want to be a co-laborer with you in your field. tell him thanks for the privilege and take now in gratitude for his life given on your behalf Friends, we do not serve out of obligation. Listen, it's our identity. It's who we've been made, partakers of the divine nature, the spirit of God dwelling in us so that the work of God would now be accomplished through the children of God by the spirit of God in us. So I want to invite you to stand with me and let's declare in song together that we believe who we are and we're going to live it by faith and we are available to do whatever he has for us. Declare this together.
our life, not so that we can go to heaven one day, but Jesus is our life so that the God of creation, who is still working as he always has, would work in you and through you. Not your best effort, not your best attempt, but his life lived in you through you. So that a watching world would say, what? He is, and he is glorious. What a privilege. God bless.